following program is paid for by the Hawkeye Huddle, which is solely responsible for its content. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of 1700 The Champ, Cumulus Media, or its employees or management. The Hawkeye Huddle on 1700 The Champ. Interact with the show on Twitter at Hawkeye Huddle and at Hawkeye Huddle 2. And hello again, everybody. Welcome to the Hawkeye Huddle here on 1700 The Champ and 101.3 FM. Uh, we're broadcasting two ways now to uh, give you your latest Iowa Hawkeye news. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I, I, the, David, so I'm remote, and I just got a message, no. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. What are we doing? Anyway, David Creighton Jr., I believe, is at G-MIGS uh, t- trying to effort in, and uh, I'm uh, on the road this week. But nonetheless, right. as is the magic of telephone and the Internet, we are able to bring you a program. Of highest quality, I, my friend. I'm in. I think. All right. Hey, Jacob, turn down that volume in there so there's no echo. That'll help. No, I'll still hear it. But anyway, we are live, and, and we just got connected. You did. What? Well, good. What a, what a story. We're up and going. Oh my gosh! You know how the fun this is, especially when you're just the only dude here. I know because, as we know, when we put our two heads together, we make up an entire brain. An entirely larger head. <laughs> we do. Well, uh, David, you know it. It wasn't exactly uh, when we left the air last week. Uh, we were a day or two ahead of uh, Iowa, Iowa State basketball. Uh, both the women's and the men's, and and uh, I think I felt pretty good about the way things were going to go, and certainly uh, they didn't. <laughs> I guess yeah, to put, right. it, put it one way, it was not exactly what we expected to see. I think Iowa State obviously is probably a little better than uh, I, I wanted to give them credit for, but I also thought like uh, Iowa's uh, Achilles heels here and there, uh, they have a couple of them, and they certainly showed uh, in this game uh, up in Ames last week a 20-point loss, I believe the worst loss uh, in the history of this series for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Oh, yeah, no question. It was it was horrible to, from the standpoint of this. Every time Iowa would get a stop, they'd forget to actually rebound the ball, right? And so um, here we go, trying like crazy to do a great job. You know, Iowa's been out-rebounding the last three games by, like, 60. And, uh, you know, those are... We don't turn the ball over, but offensive rebounds are essentially the same thing. You're giving up an extra possession, and I tell you, it's killing them. And you knew that it was going to be an issue when you lost, what, 80% of your rebounding with Wheezy. Um, but to think that you can't get any rebounds, rebounds is a function of effort, you know. You don't have to be the biggest guy in town, but you do. if you box out correctly, you can still rebound. Well, no, you just, so you just you just said it right. So it was a fifty to thirty-two deficit in rebounding in this game, and then something like uh, fifty to twenty-one against Illinois, which was even worse. But I I, I don't go to effort as much on this as I do. Um, I think technique, boxing out. I thought uh, I thought a number of times the other night Iowa uh, hustled, uh, but they weren't getting a, a body on guys. They weren't getting a hip on people. They weren't checking them out of the way. And maybe that's a function of the way that they have to play. But I, I, I really thought it's, it, it looks to me a little bit more like a technique thing, particularly when you consider that they're faster than they have been as a team for quite some time. 
They did turn the ball over 12 times in this game, which was uncharacteristic. They'd uh, been in single digits for a while now uh, in most of their games. But um, I, I think you're I think you're hitting the nail on the head when we're when we're looking at the the issues this team is going to have. It's 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 one. It's going to be size. We said there's no real post player. Philip Rabracha is not that real post player that they really need to have. And so that's going to be difficult uh, at times. And then in a game like this the other night, uh, Iowa State got it going, and they were able to get to the loose balls. And and at that point in time, you better make your shots, and the Hawks were cold on Thursday night. Okay. Well, <laughs> I talked long enough. Maybe uh, I'll just keep it going. Well, the Hawks were cold on Thursday night, 17 for 63 from the field, uh, their worst shooting percentage uh, of the year by far. And five for 27 from the three-point line. And this is a team, obviously, that makes a few three-pointers. Keegan Murray clearly still a little hobbled by that ankle. Hopefully will be better this week when they go up against Utah State up in Sioux Falls. But he was only four of 17 from the field. And you can't have that out of uh, the nation's leading scorer either. So all of the things that played into Iowa uh, doing things well at the beginning of the year so far when they started out uh, at the 7-0 mark, now dropping to 7-3. and All the things that they were doing well uh, kind of went the other direction in this game and really had not done so against Purdue and Illinois. Uh, both Purdue and Illinois, uh, Iowa was competitive in those games, but in this one, uh, it certainly didn't go the right direction. Now, got to give credit to Iowa State and uh, a little bit to their fan base just for the way that they showed up. Hilton Coliseum is every bit as difficult to play in uh, of an atmosphere as there is in college basketball. And that played into this a little bit as well. And then you got to give credit to a couple of their, uh, of their players and this Isaiah Brockington kid that they pulled in from Penn state uh, transferred in. He had had, I believe 23 against Iowa a couple of years ago in that game at the Palestra. And you think he was in double figures again last year against Iowa. Well, he was nine for his first nine the other night up in Ames and uh, he ended up with 29 points, 11 to 14 shooting. Iowa couldn't figure out a way to slow him down, and I'm not even going to say that they couldn't mark him. In other words, they, they were finding him, I thought, but he was making all kinds of shots, and, and it, was, uh, it was one of those times Buzz saw, and certainly uh, Iowa ran into that the other night. Now you turn around, you got to go to uh, Sioux Falls in a neutral court game against a decent Utah State team Saturday night uh, at 8, 8 p.m., I think uh, what will be nice is that Keegan uh, Murray will have been able to rest that ankle for eight or nine days, and uh, the team will have had a little respite as they, uh, well, maybe their brains will not have had a respite as they've had to take finals this week, but uh, they will not have practiced as hard, and they will uh, have taken a little time to recuperate from that rough stretch, and they really need this victory now if they want to move forward down the road uh, and, and try to find their way to the NCAA tournament, which is still a very real possibility for this team. If you take a look at the, at the schedule that's out there, a lot of winnable games. The Big Ten is full of good teams, but not a lot of great teams. And I think when you take a look at Purdue, yes, that's probably your number one team in the country. But everybody else seems to find ways to look pretty average at times, uh, even the teams that have only one or two losses. And several of the teams don't look nearly as good as, as you might have thought they would. Uh, certainly one of them that I was going to get twice is Maryland, who has already lost their coach for the year, uh, as Mark Turgeon just decided to call it quits uh, a, a week ago, deciding that uh, he didn't have the support of the players and the fans and the administration, and he was kind of tired of the way things were going there. And so off he goes, and uh, they've struggled since then 
as well. Hey, Brett. And of course, you're back. Hey, I, I was trying to tell breath. you that. I, I haven't taken a breath since you since you left. Well, anyway, it's your favorite radio show, the one where the one where you get to talk the entire time. Right. Uh, I do it in the shower every morning, but it's only five minutes long. Um, I, I know. I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just my finishing my thought of this right now is I think there are wins out there in the Big Ten for Iowa, but certainly the important thing that needs to happen now is they can't lose another non-conference game. They've got to get this one against Utah State. They've got some easier games going uh, into January. They've got to get these now, get over that hump and get back and get get kind of healed up and get into the Big Ten where they can win some games, I do believe, uh, uh, even though it's a tough schedule. Well, you know, I heard you, I heard you say that you think there's only one super good team in the Big Ten in Purdue, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that I think Illinois uh, is also up there as well and give Michigan a little time to see if they can get some guard play. And, and I think by, you know, come February, March, they're going to be very tough to deal with. Same with Michigan State, of course. I mean, they're always good, right? They got Izzo. However, I will say this. I think Iowa's got a real good opportunity on Saturday. I think I was I was really scared at Utah State before this season, not nearly as scared today. Um, they are a quality team. I watched what Creighton did to BYU up there in the uh, Sanford Center, and I thought, boy, if Iowa can play half as good as Creighton did in the first half, then we're going to have a very good showing on Saturday. It'd be a very pro-Iowa crowd, of course, up in Sioux Falls. And then two cupcakes, and then you get back in. But, you know, tell, why did Turgeon quit again? I mean, Danny Manning's jumping in there. Uh, my good personal friend, Danny Manning, oh, by the way. Uh, and anyway, uh, he's the interim coach. I saw they won a game the other night, and he was really emotional about it. I didn't realize Turgeon just up and quit. There was something to do with uh, he he did not like the attitude of the fans. Uh, he did, there was a lot of booing, and uh, and I, I think he didn't like the way the fans were supporting the team and himself, and even uh, some of the ways they were treating the officials. And which also spoke to me a little bit, probably about some other things that were probably going on in his mind about how things were going. And he just literally up and quit and said all those things, right? Um, so it wasn't just one thing, but a number of things. I, I, I feel like uh, maybe he had lost some of the uh, the support of the team, but on top of that, maybe felt like he'd lost the support of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, of the huh. fans. The, we- the weird part about that, of course, is Danny Manning was his, uh, was his teammate on that national championship team at Kansas, right? So they're buddies. And uh, but Manning wasn't exactly a great coach his first go around. What where was he? Was he at Vanderbilt? Wait, was that right or where, no? Uh, he was at Wake, Wake, Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Yeah. Danny got got him into the tournament one year, and then he had some struggles the last couple of years. Um, I mean, he's certainly a, a capable coach. You know, his dad Ed Manning was a tremendous coach. Uh, surprisingly, became got on the KU staff right when Danny got there as a freshman. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but there, there's other teams, obviously. I think Iowa can compete with the Wisconsin's, the Minnesota's, the, clearly the Nebraska's. You know, Rutgers at the rack would be tough. Rutgers on the road, I think, is a whole different ball game, right? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I think Ohio State is going to be a good team. Uh, you know, it really comes down to can you defend your home court and can you pick up a few on the road and you end up, you know, maybe 11-9, and 12-8 and eight in the conference. Well, you take that right now with these other three, 
that's 15, call it 15 wins, plus what, the six or seven you got, you're 22, maybe you need one in the Big Ten tournament, and you're in. I mean, the ACC's horrible, right? Uh, the yep. SEC's got yep. two or three really good teams. Other than that, they're not great. And that's giving Kentucky some credit. Um, you know, the they're going to have to figure out a way to get teams in this tournament. They got a slot sixty-eight of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, the, you well know, there you go. We just uh, we just WNL the entire Chicago Cubs uh, season for us. Uh. That's right. Well, it's only the first segment. It's it's April. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> what are you going to do? Right. No, but you but you're right. I, I mean, if you you look at it, that's exactly right. The NCAA uh, tournament is going to be interesting this year because some of these power five conferences and I'm, I'm looking at the big 10 too. I'm still just not sure who's good and who's not. Right. Um, I've seen enough weird things happen uh, so far that I'm just not entirely sure. And that's what I was saying earlier, but uh, you're right. They're going to have to find 60, 68 teams to go in. And so I was going to have a chance. I, I think you're going to look down the road and you're going to find that they need to beat. They're going to have a few opportunities to beat some ranked teams at home. They're going to need to do, like they do every year, you need to upset a couple of teams at home just to get that marquee win because you don't really have it right now. Virginia, it turns right. out, is not great, right? That's that's not there. And and so that's an okay win because you were on the road at a Power 5, a, a team that's pretty good but not great. Um, but you're going to need a couple more of those. And so if I, if you look at Utah State, here's uh, you, you need this one, right, because they're actually not bad. Now, they started out the year, they lost to UC Davis right away, but they've upset Oklahoma, right? Uh, they played a really close game and lost by two points to St. Mary's. Um, <clears throat> so who's really good? <laughs> uh, who's really good? Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I think this is a this is a team that uh, that could beat you, and yet at the same time, it's a team that if you get the victory over them uh, down the road, that might look pretty good on the resume. So this is a big one coming up for them. And and, and again, I think uh, not only the fact that they need to have a win, but I think they need to get everybody healthy and kind of get their mindset back again because the frame of mind they were in when they went to Purdue uh, and and held steady, came back from a deficit, darn near came back and won that game. Uh, the frame of mind they had then uh, was what they needed to have, and I thought I saw in a little bit in that Illinois game where they started to waver in their confidence a little bit, uh, and, and they still held tough. But, boy, the other night I thought mentally, uh, I thought mentally they just went away in, in, in the middle of the second half the other night. And uh, and we can't have that, right? That's that's the thing that's that's not going to play well down down the rest of the way. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it sort of reminded me of the football game uh, against Michigan, where once the bad things started happening, they had a snowball effect, and you know they they missed Iowa State went on that little run. They got ahead by like eight, and and I kept thought, well, Jordan hit a three, kind of stemmed the tide. Thought, okay, they're going to be okay. And Iowa State then ran off like the next six or seven in a row, and they just never could get back going. It was it was very strange. Um, thought Fran waited too long to call a timeout, and he certainly could have tried to change it, the lineup a couple, three times in the midst of all that, but it, that just didn't yeah. happen. So, anyway, yeah. you know, it is what it is. I mean, obviously, uh, Iowa State's good. I mean, they're way better than anybody would have thought. Yeah, I think they are. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, they had a riveting win the other night, 47-37 against Jackson State. <laughs> Imagine that after, you know, having nearly that many points against Iowa at halftime. So it, it does show you a little bit about what emotion does in, in a game like that too, right, and and how yes. it can play and roll and snowball. 
it's just part of it's it's it it is one of the things that makes college basketball different than college football. Emotion plays into college football. There's no question. We saw that uh, at Kinnick several times this this uh, season. However, college basketball is a little different in the fact that those fans are right on top of the court. They're right on top. Of oh you. yeah. And, oh, you know, it's just a different deal. All right. We've been pushing off football because Tom Kicker is coming up next. Signing day tomorrow, early signing day. We're going to get that back, talk about that. We come back here on the Hawkeye Huddle on 7100, the champ. And we are back here on the Hawkeye Huddle. Brett Ridge, uh, Dave Creighton is going to take a break for this segment because we're trying to do this on phones and we got to connect in with tom caker at hawkeyereport.com and uh the phone system doesn't allow us to do well so we'll just uh tom's gonna have to put up with me for this segment uh, uh but partially this is because i study the recruiting stuff a little bit more than david does and and uh tom uh my friend it, it, they move it forward on you the, a few years ago they moved it forward on you a little bit up here into the early signing period but uh that means tomorrow is uh, really Christmas Day when it comes to uh, to recruiting for Iowa football, and um, and and actually, you know, I thought, uh, you know, I, there was some angst in the middle of the summer that this uh, uh, class was coming together slowly, but boy, right now I'm feeling really, really good, especially of course after the uh, commitment last week of Xavier Wampa uh, from uh, Southeast Polk. But this this class is coming together very nicely. Yeah, it is. Um, can you guys hear me okay? I got you. I got you. Yeah, okay. we're good. Okay. Wanted to make sure. Um, yeah, it's come together late. It's weird. It's, uh, you know, you used the Christmas uh, analogy, and this is like Christmas Eve for for Iowa. And um, it normally, uh, this time of year, we know what we're like the kids who discovered all the presents up in the attic before our parents um, wrapped them. You know, we yeah. know exactly what we're getting uh, this year. There's, you know, some guys out there that, uh, um, that we don't know for sure. We think, you know, like the hall kid and uh, Orlando trader and guys like that. We, we, we have some ideas, but, we think they're going to be under the tree, but we don't know for sure. So we have to see it. So um, I think that's kind of the intrigue this year is normally we know everything. We know the guys they're getting. Uh, but uh, this year I think we, we've got a little more um, to look forward to on signing day, a little intrigue, which is fun. Right. So um, we, we do know some we have a lot of good news that has come along the last uh, few weeks. But, uh, yeah, the, the I, I think you mentioned uh, there's three or four of them here that they're, we're going to wait on till tomorrow. Three of them, I think you mentioned T.J. Hall from Fresno and uh, Orlando Trader, for, Trader from uh, Jackson, uh, Michigan. Uh, both appear to be Iowa leads. And then there's even Keon uh, or is that Kane, Kane Intrinker from uh, yeah. from Wald Lake, uh, Michigan. Um, they're all defensive backs, which I find interesting. You, you know, Iowa didn't have a defensive back commitment until X committed last week. And for yeah. a school that puts so many defensive backs in the NFL and has such, uh, and, and for heaven's sakes, has a first-team All-American in Riley Moss, right, uh, this year, it is kind of interesting that that would be the case. Yeah, it's one of those weird things that, 
Um, I look at in recruiting, and and I've asked Phil about this, Phil Parker about this too, is just, uh, you know, why are kids beating down your door, you know, to come play for you? Because, you know, now with, with Riley Moss winning the Big Ten defensive back of the year, uh, five of the ten years that they've had this thing, it's been it's gone to an Iowa player. And those guys are playing in the NFL. Um, so it's, you know, I, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, but I didn't understand why offensive tackles weren't beating the door down or running backs. I don't understand why, you know, it's a run-based team, why the running backs, the best running backs in the country aren't beating Iowa's door down. But it is what it is. They just, you know, kids want different things. So um, we'll see what happens. But, uh, um uh, yeah, this it was weird because they were going to take three defensive backs this class, and now that they've, you know, it seems like they've zeroed in on those three guys. The other guy that uh, is still we're still waiting on is Brian Allen Jr., who originally had uh, uh, committed to Illinois uh, out of Connecticut, uh, looking more like he's an Iowa lean as well. Although I almost expected to hear a little bit more about that today, uh, a four-star defensive lineman. And then beyond that, I think we're looking at those. We have one other, Kieran Crawford, who uh, I think may end up staying closer to home uh, at, at Arkansas State, which seems a little bit interesting, but um, that, that seems to be the lean right now. Other than that, Tom, though, I mean, I, I, I like what Iowa has done here. I mean, as this class has grown, you've had the, uh, the switch. You've added, you've added a couple of good running backs. Caleb Johnson, people are talking about how good that four-star running back could possibly be. Carson May uh, moved up with an extra star now out of Oklahoma as a quarterback. And uh, you've even watched some really nice highlights from some of these guys, Addison Estrenga as a, as, a, as a tight end. I mean, I think, you know, and then underrated, uh, I think uh, the Athletic had Aaron Graves as one of his uh, most, their most underrated recruits uh, in the country as a defensive lineman out of Gowrie, Iowa. I mean, I, I do think things may have taken a while to come together, but uh, people were, were, were probably worried for nothing at this point. It's uh, one of those things where suddenly uh, you kind of – sometimes you need to let your cards grow on the table before you pick them up and take a look at them. Yeah, and I think, uh, I, I think I'm going to predict something that we'll hear from Kirk because Kirk will be asked about this. And he was kind of, you know, in a lot of ways prophetic back in June. He's, you know, that he didn't think. Uh, he kind of signaled to us all that maybe this this year it's not going to be all the guys lined up already and ready to go in in uh, June, but um, that it might take a little longer uh, to get there. But he was confident, in it and he talked about you know evaluating senior film and you know how that's not a bad thing to kind of wait and see how guys develop, especially coming off that COVID year where everything was abnormal in terms of you know, scouting and everything else. So, um, you know, I, I think he's going to maybe, you know, subtly kind of pat himself on the back this week. Yeah, did, Kirk's all about subtleties these, these days. Is he, <laughs> as he gets a little older. Yeah, subtle, uh, subtlety <laughs> of, a, of a frying pan upside the head with Deuce Hogan, you know. Yeah, I know, Ken. Yeah, that that didn't work out as well as as one would have hoped. But uh, we know he didn't really. You know, anyway, I'm not going to make excuses. He didn't really mean it. Speaking speaking of quarterbacks, uh, I don't want to let it go that uh, that you know probably the scoop of the week was the getting a far, four star quarterback yesterday uh, for the 2023 class. 
Yeah, Marco Linez um, from uh, New Jersey, who plays uh, under, um, you know, kind of Tony Rassiope is the guy who coaches him, and he's a quarterback whisperer kind of guy who works with, uh, worked with Nate Stanley, um, working with Spencer Petris. Um, so he's familiar with Iowa. He's developed a really good relationship with Ken O'Keefe. Um, so it's pretty good get here for Iowa. Now, um, I know Rastiope kind of thinks he's a dual threat and I, I would kind of disagree. I think he's, you know, a tough runner, but I don't think he's, you know, dual threat to me is like Lamar Jackson. That's, that's dual threat to me. And, um, he's just more of a, of a guy who can run for some tough yardage, but he's not. It's not like he's an elusive guy. So, um, but still a good get. I mean, you know, really talented kid with good offers, Illinois, West Virginia, Maryland, a lot of schools really liked him. So uh, Michigan state, he visited there as well. So um, a good get for Iowa going into, and, and also, you know, it's, it's always, I think it's easier to kind of build a good class when you have the quarterback on board early. So, um, you know, you've got, uh, uh, you got him uh, committed and, and now he can, you know, recruit the Tyler Caspers of the world and they can get familiar with each other. And, and cause I think that's going to be important for, you know, in, in Kyler's recruitment uh, for the class of 2023. Well, you just led me right into that. Nicely done, Tom. I was going to ask you about, uh, about the domino effect uh, that, that could come from, uh, the commitment of uh, Xavier Wampa last week, and uh, obviously he he buddied up pretty good with Kyler Casper uh, a, a couple of times here this this year, and they've become friends. And of course, you got Caden Proctor, who's uh, an offensive lineman, the offensive lineman, top one in the country at Southeast Polk as well. Um, it, can we really realistically expect a domino effect out of that out of that one top-notch recruit that they got last week? Um, if you're going to ask me, I'm going to say, yes, I do. I think it makes, um, a huge difference with, with Proctor and, you know, um, Xavier and, and, uh, and, and Kyle Casper are really good friends. So they played seven on seven together, um, sat together at that Penn state game. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's a big deal. It's, um, and you've seen Xavier right away, just kind of go into recruiting mode. And he was like, I'm yep. going to get this guy and I'm hitting up this guy. Yep. And, uh, so yeah, that's important too. Well, it'll be, uh, it'll be important to, to augment the talent that they're bringing in this year. But I think one of the things that I, we've seen from Iowa is if they can get some quality top-notch talent, they're able to, supplement that talent with uh, with guys that are hard workers and guys that come in as two-star and one-star type recruits as well. And so it really plays well into what Iowa wants to do as a system if they can get those guys that are committed to the program and want to stick around. It's it's exciting actually to see and I have to just, I mean, I just have to make a comment and maybe get your thought on this, Tom. I mean, a, a year ago during the summer when things were coming out and issues were happening, uh, sure. with regard to racial issues, you started to wonder if Iowa could recruit at all, right? And, uh-huh. boy, you got to feel good about where they are and, and think about what kind of individuals these guys must be 
to be able to continue to recruit through that. Yeah, and, and, and let's also couple that with the fact that we were in the middle of a pandemic and yeah. Um, yeah. you couldn't and you couldn't get kids on campus. I mean, it's one thing to kind of try and just regularly recruit in a pandemic and not get kids on campus. But now you've got kind of a bomb dropped on your on your program. And you, the only way you can communicate with people is not face to face, but via Zoom or a phone call. You know, that's it. That's that was your or letters and things like that. And it's hard to get to know people in that that area in that way and it's hard for those people to get to know your program and interact with your players and they can tell you that it's better here and it's okay and i'll i'll say this there was a time um you know this you know it didn't look good for xavier wampa and iowa and he had a lot of questions about and his family did about the the race stuff and they got those answered and the the best thing that that iowa did I, i believe is that they confronted it head on. They didn't wait for somebody to bring it up. They brought it up themselves. And I think that's, um, that shows you're not, you're, you're secure in who you are and you're secure in how you, uh, how you're dealing with the issue. I, I think it takes a unique individual coach. I mean, to, uh, in a leadership position, right? So uh, I guess I'll, I'll throw it this way. There's a lot of talk over the last couple of weeks about Kirk Ferentz and his offensive style uh, and the way that team plays and designs what they do on the field. But there's something that goes on off the field that uh, seems to work in this market in this for this team. And, and it continues to be why, at this point in time, you, you just have to look at uh, him as a remarkable individual that, that – uh, but I, I'm happy he continues to be our coach, even if I get frustrated by by some of the things that happen from time to time. Um, you just—it's hard, it, it's it's hard to get too—it's yeah. hard to get too frustrated when they win ten games, right, and go to the yeah. Big Ten title game. I mean, I—I I, yeah. I just remember um, not not long ago, a few weeks back, when after that Wisconsin game, I think everybody's like, "Yeah, Kirk, you know, Kirk just can't get him to a." To the Big Ten West title, he just you know he can't get to the title, title game, and then they make it there. And yeah, they got both, uh, but they made it there, and it's just like the goalposts keep moving for some folks. Fact is, they won ten games this year, and and ultimately, coaches are are judged uh, by and large by the record that they produce each and every year. And um, Iowa has now won at least ten games for the last three years. Year to year with and on, COVID, and you didn't, you didn't play yeah. enough games. But I mean, I I'm, I haven't looked it up, but I'm going to guess the list of schools and programs to our last three years that have won ten or more games is very small. It's going to be four, five teams, maybe, maybe. Uh, You're right. It might, it, uh, I, I'm going to guess you. I, I'll just off the top of my head, I would say you probably can count them on both your hands. Definitely. Less than 10, I would think. But I'm not positive, uh, also, so I'll, uh, but I'll look it up. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's, it, it, it's an interesting thing to think about, but, boy, I bet, it, I bet it's barely one hand. Um, also, for the first time in program history, but also I, one, of the, one of the few times, uh, you know, for anybody other than Alabama, three straight years now with a consensus All-American, as Tyler Linderbaum becomes a consensus All-American, wins the Remington Award, of course, but uh, but think about the accomplishment that that is, right? Having an individual 
from the University of Iowa that is a consensus. That means that, uh, what is it, there's six All-American teams, they have to be on five of them or something like that. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing to, to think about because there's only been 25 in school history and three of them in the past three straight years. When you come back, yeah. uh, when you start looking at Tristan Wurst and you start looking at Davion Nixon and now Tyler Linderbaum. Yeah, Keith Duncan, too, I believe, was a consensus. Was, was he a, oh, I, did, I missed that he one, He might too. have okay. been. He <laughs> might have been. I'm, I'm not positive, but I have to look that up. But I think he was close. And, um, yeah, it's pretty um, remarkable. Keith might have, might have not. I, I can't remember. But, um, anyway, yeah, they, he gets an oil painting. You know, it's awesome. Right, 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 exactly. So, Riley Moss has uh, accepted a, a spot in the, um, uh, the senior bowl. Or, oh, there's the music. I gotta go. We'll talk to you next week about if anybody else come back. Okay, Tom. Okay. Appreciate you joining. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport.com. Dave Creighton back on the other side. We come back on the huddle. And we're back on the Hawkeye huddle. Brett Ridge and Dave Creighton Jr. I'm assuming back on the phone with me from G Migs, and I am here. You know, I'll admit it. I'm in Branson, Missouri, right? We have a we have a little place down here. We come down here, and we came down to see the uh, Christmas lights, and and uh, have had a really good time. What six point eight million? My uh, six point five million at Silver Dollar City the other night. Um, and I got to <laughs> tell you, it it was everything I hoped it would be. It really was. And more great shows out there. It, 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 and more. I have a story for you, though. That uh, I, I, it, nobody. I, I, trust me, my friend. I have a story for you that you will not believe about a Ridge family vacation as to what has happened to me down here. I'm going to leave it at that. You will decide next week as to whether or not we talk about it on the air. Sorry, um, perfect. Anyway, how's, Hopefully by then our equipment works. Well, it, well, it's true. Good point. Uh, we'll be back together next week. That'll be, I'll be home. Well, so that'll well, be good thing. That, well, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, I want to thank our sponsors before we get too far down the road. G Migs, you are at G Migs uh, for Smash Burger Night. Um, uh, and they're, whether or not they're your handing, working, right? Right, they're handing out the Smash Burgers like uh, Halloween candy around here. Let me tell you, they're spectacular. Get a double. Oh my God, they're, they're, they're good. They are. They are very good. Um, the only problem with doing a show here from my condo in in uh, Branson is that I brought one beer with me, and that's what I get. I have nobody waiting on me. And, are you uh, they kidding take care me? Of there. They, uh, well, I brought other stuff too, but uh, I'm trying. I've got trying one to and one waiting. I got one, <laughs> I, one, I one, one in the on the on deck on the on deck circle. You're, you're in the auto refill position. Uh, also, of course, uh, AMPM plumbing. You know what they do, David? They do tremendous plumbing, and I'm going to tell you, they're just great people. Day or night, you need them, call AMPM Plumbing. Same price, no worries. They're the best. Angela Lancaster at uh, REMAX Concepts, of course, as well as Brian Houck at uh, Key Mortgage, also supporting the uh, Hawkeye Huddle. We appreciate that. Are they are they there with you this evening, David? They are not here tonight. Uh, oh, we my gosh. They're usually in front Christmas. of you. I know, yeah, no, we had a little Christmas gathering. We had uh, this night started off in a very strange way. I had to disperse children from our spot, and now and then the equipment—it was like karma. Yeah, move the kids. Equipment doesn't work. What are you gonna say? So whatever. I'm gonna get to the bottom right, of that tomorrow when I take it back. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
All right, so a couple of things we haven't broken down uh, at all. Uh, women's basketball, uh, we mentioned they went to Iowa State as well, lost 77-70, to 70, uh, really a pretty good ball game. They, they fell behind off and on and kept coming back and kept coming back, but uh, eventually fell 77-72, to 72, uh, 13th-ranked Iowa State. Uh, another great crowd there. We're doing it. And uh, Iowa played, played very, very well but uh, just lost it. We didn't mention last week, David, I don't believe we got into the fact that Lisa Bluter's win over Michigan State was her 800th for Iowa, and uh, this week they've got Central Florida Saturday at 6.30 p.m., and so uh, that'll be the next game on the docket for them as they round out finals week as well and get things going. The wrestlers will have the Rockland Duels coming up next week on Monday. That's two dual meets in one day, 6 p.m. against Central Michigan, 8 p.m. against Lehigh. A friend Tim Wells. That's called a triangular. Uh, it, it is, and then the, uh, they have somebody else if they uh, the next day too, and I can't. I gotta find that. Tim Wells wanted us to bring this up. Iowa sold out their entire home season. Uh huh. And yet, and yet they're not wrestling Spencer Lee right now, nor Caleb Young. And uh, I realize why they're not doing that, but how does that play with the people that bought tickets to go watch those guys wrestle? Well, I think the big question is going to be, when does Spencer Lee decide that he's going to actually go back out on the mat without his, without his ACLs? He never got surgery. Okay. So he's gone in some holistic manner and he's now uh, kidding he, he went with the christian science thing right i think so no uh, i didn't christian, read i didn't read tom cruise's book or john travolta's either well now Kinnick, uh refused to get a broken leg fixed which ruined his pre the season before the heisman trophy he just basically played on a broken leg the whole year because it was against his religion he had to let it heal up uh, in the off season, and then came back and had the incredible year. But but literally refused to get it fixed. Right. Anyway, so go ahead. Yeah. So I didn't realize. See, so he had no surgery at all, and he's got to decide to wrestle. And Iowa fans actually bought tickets. This team's still possibly, probably going to win the national championship, but people want to see these guys wrestle. Well, yeah, no question. I mean, you can't just show up at the Big Tens without wrestling all year. And just say hi, I'm Spencer Lee. I'm here to beat your ass. I mean, are you sure? Are you sure? He no, can't do that? I am not. I'm not positive. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I think it would be helpful, beneficial in some manner. Maybe get a couple reps in before you go out there, and and just try it, and just try it. I mean, I don't know. And obviously, Coach Brands has got a plan or whatever. But I don't know. There's a, there's a bigger question that that I I don't really want to pose because Spencer Lee might be as good a wrestler as we've had in Iowa. I mean, good lord, in a long time. And speaking of great wrestlers, we forgot to mention Mark Ryland died last week of yeah, COVID. Yeah. He's a, a great wrestler at the University of Iowa. He's a head wrestling coach at uh, Iowa City West. And you know, obviously, uh, we've had some bad news on the huddle last. <laughs> few weeks as it relates to that sort of thing thank god the old man's still here otherwise we'd have had three in a row <laughs> but, uh, I, I know. Look, uh, yeah <laughs> nevertheless um you know we just uh thoughts and prayers obviously with uh mark Riley and his family but uh, you know a, a hawkeye wrestling great 
you know, kids from Eagle Grove, uh, when they were just absolutely destroying uh, 2A wrestling and uh, left a great legacy in the University of Iowa. So, at any rate, I just wanted to mention that while we were talking about the wrestling. It, it, yeah, you make a good point. You know, if I'm season, here's a problem with season ticket holders of wrestling. They don't care. All they want to do is watch the Hawks wrestle. Right. And, and, and they're 3-0, and they're ta- right? It's true. It's and they're fun. taking the po- right. they're, they're taking the positive outlook, going, okay, who's the guy at 125? Is he going to be any good? Is my freshman buddy from Underwood or wherever God's name, Southeast folk, that they found some guy? Is he going to come in next year and just you know light up the light up the arena, right? So, yeah, I mean, it seems to me that there's a lot of points being left on the off the mat right now by not having Caleb Young and Spencer Lee out there. Well, as we uh, so you missed the the last segment, obviously with Tom, we talked a lot of recruiting and football, but uh, a, a few things to get back to to get back to with football that we didn't really get to. So uh, aside from Tyler Linderbaum making first team All American, uh, Riley Moss uh, first team All American for Sporting News, Caleb Shudak making a couple of All American teams, third and second teams, which is really nice. Uh, so a, a really nice recognition aside from All Big Ten for those guys. And then the other thing that I thought was really cool, and I didn't see exactly where this came from, but there was a, a, a stat that went out this week as to the loudest football stadiums uh, on campus this year overall from a decibel level. The lo- loudest average decibel level was I know, it was Stadium. Iowa. I, I, I know, isn't yes, that something? It was Iowa, it was Kinnick Stadium. Yep, absolutely. And, I, I, you know, I, obviously the Penn State game had a lot to do with it, but I, I'll tell you what. The Purdue game was the one that was really tough. It got loud because we were trying, but we were trying really hard after the emotional week after that. But I'll tell you what, that Minnesota game and that Illinois game, I saw at Kinnick Stadium. Oh, for sure. Brought those, we brought that team back a, a number of times. And, and having been in uh, at Texas A&M when they beat Alabama, right? Right. And having been in, in, in Indianapolis when Michigan was beating Iowa, I'll just tell you this right now, Kinnick Stadium's louder than both those venues. Uh, now, granted, A&M was incredible that night, but guess what? Uh, Kinnick Stadium is actually louder. We're, they're, they're, we're right on top of the players. There's a reverberation. And it, it's really cool to see that, uh, that it's, it pays off that way. And to a man, most of the time, your, your uh, Big Ten players will tell you they, they hate playing at Kinnick, which is awesome, right? Well, our friend, our friend PJ Flex said that Kinnick Stadium at night is the hardest place in the Big Ten to play. Point blank. P.J. Flex said it. It's got to be true. And if he's if he's saying it's got to be true, right? Uh, hey, by the one way, thing we haven't talked a... about, Brad, we haven't talked yeah. about the fact Tyler Goodson's opted out of the of the bowl game. I was game. moving to that. I was moving right. to that. So that right, way, because well, uh, it's on my list last here because, and the reason I want to leave it last is because you know I'm going to rant and rave about this, right? You know my position on this. Right. Well, of course. You, you think it's horrible? I don't think it's horrible. I think it's bad form. I, I, I'm sorry. I get it. The kid doesn't want to get hurt. Don't give me some line of crud about – see how I said crud instead of crap? I, don't give me some line about preparing for the NFL draft. Are you in Missouri? Give me a break. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't give me this line. Uh, and, and Mike Leach uh, now where, – where's he coaching now? I know you, I've lost track of where he's coaching, right? But uh, Mike Leach, even Mississippi State, uh, had a, a, a sort of an op-ed article the other day uh, agreeing with me on this. 
I think you're giving up on the team and the university that gave you the break to be where you are, to get yourself where you're ready to go to the NFL. And I think it's a load of crap. I really do. I just think it's terrible. Well, um, I think hey, Brad Goodson's been a great. I think he's been a great ambassador for the University of Iowa. His mother, who has been on Twitter, she's been a great ambassador. I love Tyler Goodson. I just think that this, to me, is giving up on your team. And I think it is. I, and Tyler Linderbaum was asked, "Are you going to give it up?" And he's like, <laughs> "No." He laughed. Right? Are you kidding me? Right mentality. Are you kidding me? I don't get to play football one game. And are you kidding me? I'm going to give up on my teammates. I just think it's, I think it's a selfish attitude, and I think it's a mistake, and I don't like it. Well, and I get it. it how, no, well, how about this? So who are the two best players for Purdue? David Ball and that defensive end. Dave, so David Bell and, and George Karloftis. Yeah, Bell. Yeah, and they're both right. opting they're, out as well. They're yep. both not yep. playing in the Music City Bowl. And so all of a sudden, I'm doing a bowl pool. I'm going – Hey, I wonder if David Bell's playing for Purdue this year, and I see that they're both out. I'm like, all right, I'm taking Tennessee. I'm like, are you yep. kidding me? They're, they're it, two it, best players. Their two best players are not playing in the bowl game. And Jim Plummer's are terrible. It, and their quarterback's already transferred. I, we never even mentioned the fact he was so good to transfer. So, anyway, last Hawks call, beat Utah last State. Call, Utah State. You got, uh, Hawks what? win. Hawks win. Hawks win. I got it, too. We'll be back next week together right. in Team See you next week. Appreciate all the help. Hey, thanks for everybody helping us. And Jake back in the studio. We'll talk to you next week on the Hawkeye Huddle.